greetings, everyone. We made it to the second episode, and I was very delighted to hear a few Collins, which will play some very warm words of welcome from a lot of folks in the Anchor community. So thank you. This is Have to Look That Up, my thoughts and discussions on tabletop role-playing, getting back into the hobby, introducing my son to the hobby, and then maybe some side tangents uh, into some other topics, which will be coming up in later weeks. Uh, But today, I think we're going to focus on the handcrafted artisanal role-playing game goodness coming out of small business America, but spreading internationally with a huge following. Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is a game that, as I started to get back into the hobby and found, for lack of a better term, the OSR community, mainly because I was surprised to see the retro clones and getting back into basic and expert Dungeons and Dragons, the games that I started with, found that in the... I guess in the you know the whole array of retro clones, there were several that were very unique, and had heard about Dungeon Crawl Classics, and for whatever reason, just never paid much attention to it until less than a year ago. So I'd say at the end of last summer, and of course, <laughs> like uh, uh, like like any good uh, <laughs> any good product community cult, it's, it's not really a cult. I'm I am teasing. Once I got into it, fell pretty hard into it, uh, mainly because it is a fantastic game. So I'll talk about some of the reasons uh, why I love it and have started playing it and have been uh, trying to convince my son and a few friends to come over to it from 5e. Hey Brian, it's Jay from Roleplay Rescue. Just wanted to send you a quick message and say welcome to the Anchor community. Great to see you have a new podcast and um, looking forward to delving deeper into it. So yeah, wish you all the best. Hope you're well and game on. Hey, Jason here from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Welcome to the Anchor Sphere. Very glad to find you. Thanks to Jay Webster. He initially put your link up. I've shared your link a couple other places. I'll also put it out on my show today and try to get the word out. Great first episode. Yeah, It sounds like you have a similar background to many of us. Um, so yeah, welcome to the community. I look forward to your thoughts on DCC and minimalist rule books and rule sets as we go forward. I think playing in public once things open up is a great idea. You know, there's a push to read RPG books in the public a year or two ago, maybe two years ago. But yeah, I'd like to see more of that. So Looking forward to it. By the way, one podcast you didn't mention you might enjoy is the Vintage RPG Podcast. Vintage RPG Podcast. Check it out. Maybe you mentioned it, but I didn't hear it. Anyhow, I'll talk to you later. Hey, Brian. This is Logan with the Swordbreaker Podcast, and I thought it'd be appropriate to give, send you a message with my laundry machines going full blast. I have to say I really enjoyed your podcast. I'm looking forward to many more returns. And again, thanks to everyone who has reached out and sent words of encouragement and definitely the call-ins from from Che, Jason, and Logan. 
Uh, for Che, I know I've already mentioned Roleplay Rescue. That's had a big influence on me. So I am very happy to support that and look forward to the episodes. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast uh, had not mentioned your podcast last episode, but that is definitely one that I listened to and have really, I think, enjoyed, gosh, how prolific you are in calling into other shows and, and just the uh, the comments and questions you pose. So, in fact, the, the Vintage RPG Podcast is another one that's on my list, and that's been good listening to those guys go back through some of the old catalog of uh, role-playing games both from tsr and a few others so that's great and logan great to hear you i'm putting your podcast on my list as well and i i think (laughs) i slowly figured out one of the problems and this was also a problem before just kind of switching mainly from from general podcasts over to uh, role-playing game podcasts but there are so many podcasts just as if as, as there are so many rpg books right now that it will easily become overwhelming. So I'm really trying to uh, enjoy the ones that I listen to, new ones that I find, and not worry too much about what I'm missing because otherwise uh, it, 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 it almost leads you to a point where you have uh, decision fatigue, you have too many choices. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. Um, so I, one of the things that I think I'll, I'll, I'll have to start doing is, is sharing out maybe some other podcasts that I've listened to that either not, not that others have not found them, because most of the ones that I think that I uh, that I discover that may be new to me, of course, have followings and have been out there uh, with with the rest of the anchor community. But sometimes I do think it's great to hear of a podcast that just for whatever reason had not been on your radar. And so I think that I would need to to come up with a good list and introduce some. Um, we mentioned uh, the Vintage RPG podcast, if you haven't listened to it. Some of the others that have influenced me that I didn't get to mention in the first episode, but Andy Goodman, Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. And I went back and listened to a few earlier ones because although I'd been listening to Andy, I guess I had either completely forgotten or skipped over in some of the first episodes. His return to gaming was very much like mine. He was away for, I, I think, and I don't want to quote you wrong, Andy, but saying about 30 years, and that's very similar to me, coming back and you know learning about the different editions, coming back when 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons was out, but really having missed not just all the edition changes, but the whole Pathfinder game and community, the explosion of independent RPGs, and then, of course, the retro clones and other that we'll talk about. This isn't even scratching the surface of other games. You know, I had never heard of Apocalypse World and Powered by the Apocalypse until a few years ago when I got back into it. Uh, the whole world of... Uh, I, I don't want to... I, I mean, it's just, I would say they're different games. I know people call them story games or narrative games, but it's just different role-playing games. And I think the the biggest revelation for me was that these exist and there are just so many diverse games that are now out there they're the types of games that i think if nothing else they'd be interesting to play for you know one session but again thinking back to when i was younger and there was dungeons dragons and a few others it it just it would not have even been on uh, my radar and and maybe (laughs) my limited imagination um that games could be like that and I, I think that's I think that's a fantastic thing, and if nothing else, it, one it obviously serves a community of people who really enjoy to play those games. But two, 
just widens the aperture. And, you know, it's, it's funny that in some ways you can see why Dungeons and Dragons and fifth edition are, are as big as they are. The, the funny aspect to me is sometimes how big and how popular, just thinking back to the old days. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's, it's a time when in the mainstream culture, more folks are ready for that. The gamers that may be closer to my age, some older, some a little bit younger, you know, have remembered a time when it wasn't as popular and there was not as much support. And having that and having some of the other big games out there is good to me for all the others. And I think things like the Anchor Podcasts, other podcasts, independent RPG creators can ride that same wave of success because I don't think it takes long. And even for someone like me who came back to the game hobby, really mainly experiencing Dungeons and Dragons and some other TSR games, it didn't take me long to look for something else. And that's what we'll get to with Dungeon Crawl Classics and some of the other games that I've found and gotten excited about that I think once you start playing, even if you like, let's say, 5th edition, or if you like the version of Dungeons and Dragons you played, or if you like Traveler, I I think for most people, it's perfectly natural to still look at other games and be curious, see what could be different, what what you could either take from those games, bring to your own, or that you may find a game, a campaign, a setting that you enjoy just as much, maybe more, and can add it. And very quickly, you're back to the same problem that I started this segment off, that there are just going to be too many games, <laughs> which again, is not a bad thing. So for other podcasts, I'm getting a little bit off track, but uh, I mentioned Andy's, so thank you, Andy. Uh, Gaming and BS is a big one, and that was one that really also had been talking about Dungeon Crawl Classics a lot, and when I had listened to the episodes, I was not as familiar with the game, just knew that it was something that a lot of people seemed to enjoy. Uh, eventually listened to Spellburn and Glowburn, which I think I mentioned last time, so th- those podcasts are great. The podcast shout-out that I'll make this week, since we are getting close to St. Patrick's Day, and hopefully this will get out to most folks on St. Patrick's Day, uh, is the Adventuring Party. Uh, Coming out of Ireland, talking about the Irish gaming scene, so you don't have to. And that has been a pretty constant source on my playlist. A lot of role-playing game discussion, a lot of board game discussion. And it's great to hear, you know, as someone right now based in the U.S., uh, soon to be heading over to Australia, it's nice to get a window into a different culture. You know, there's obviously strong similarities, but just to listen to uh, the different games, the different uh, conventions in a pre, pre-COVID pandemic world uh, that are discussed Uh, how they've found the hobby, how they've maintained the hobby, and how they've introduced other people to it. So uh, if you want to give them uh, a listen, uh, that is a good one to add. And they have uh, usually a great set of topics when their podcast drops every Tuesday, at least when it gets in the feeds over here in the United States. So Dungeon Crawl Classics. Again, as I said, this is a game that I had heard mentioned on several podcasts. I had heard a lot of people praise it. I dug around a little bit on some of the blogs and just never made the leap to actually read much beyond the reviews. So everything that I heard was people loved it. 
I also heard about this funnel. And I think one of the things that stuck in my mind was that Dungeon Crawl Classics was all about the funnel, which it's obviously not. But somehow in my mind, I really just equated it to, okay, this is an old school type Dungeons and Dragons game using the three or 3.5 rules, which even at the time I wasn't very familiar with. And it uses a funnel of zero level characters because it's a little bit deadly. And that's about it. And of course, maybe, maybe again, that was my, my absolutely incorrect assumption and conclusion. And so I never really dug into it until probably the end of last summer. And I'm not sure what triggered it. I think it just kept coming up on some of the podcasts and people mentioned it. A lot of the anchor podcasts that I listened to. So I... I went back. Uh, there was an available PDF of the Quick Start Rules, read through it, read a little bit more on the Goodman Games blogs and the community, and thought, this is something to try. So I just want to talk about some of the reasons why I really have enjoyed and fallen hard into this game. Uh, I have not been an ordained member of the Road Crew, so you don't need to worry about me putting the hard sell to convert you. <laughs> but uh, I do want to share why I've come to enjoy and also just appreciate the game, the company, and the community. The first thing that did grab me um, is that when I went to the site, DCC, or rather Goodman Games, runs DCC Demo Nights. They had quite a few games, and of course, uh, this is end of the summer, so we're still well into the, the COVID pandemic. Everything has shifted on lines, and in reading, you could sign up for a DCC Demo Night run by none other than Judge Brendan LaSalle, who is a very big figure in the DCC community. He is an outstanding uh, game master or a judge in DCC, as the uh, terminology goes. Uh, He is an absolutely fantastic game designer uh, with X-Crawl, an adventure designer, and he ran games. And I signed up and got into one of the DCC demo sessions. And I think at the time I had been slowly learning more about it. So I had already ordered uh, a copy of the uh, rather flimsy role-playing game book, which we'll get to in a minute, um, and a bunch of the funky dice before I got to play. But the first actual game I was in was uh, when we were sitting in our small RV camper van which um, actually is a side note. It's not really that small. It's actually quite comfortable. But uh, we were sitting in our RV in a camping ground somewhere not far from the Williamsburg area uh, out in uh, eastern Virginia. So on the uh, very poor campground Wi-Fi, we ran through a couple hours of a game with uh, Brendan in DCC and had an absolutely fantastic time. And looking back, I mean, obviously it's intended to be a demo, So he spent quite a bit of time just going through the different characters and the rules. But, you know, I mean, it was was a small, somewhat simplified encounter, and we had a great time. There were four of us, uh, even a guy from, I think he was down in Victoria in Australia, had, uh, had dialed in very early in the morning for him. But it was absolutely fantastic. And as I, as I mentioned, I think when I got to that demo game, I had already ordered a copy of the book. Uh, that came with a PDF, so it was already starting to get into the rules, but just had a fun time. Um, 
And I think that's one of the things that although, you know, I've had fun times playing games since I got back into it, there was just something that seemed a bit exciting, a bit, you know, more lighthearted. And it just felt like a better environment. Um, it's, it's hard to explain. I think, and maybe this is just why uh, the game clicked and I started to see all the different pieces. So getting into some of the reasons that I like it. So as I mentioned before, this, uh, you know, flimsy pamphlet of a, uh, I don't have video, I apologize. So most of you are familiar with this. So you know the size of the book, but here that's the number one, number, number one on the list of reasons, maybe not the most important, but definitely a, a good feature is that the core rule book is just over 500 pages a beautiful hardcover book also comes with a PDF from Goodman, which is a fantastic feature. Is you can actually order the book, you get a PDF to go with it. I do like to have both. Uh, the book itself is absolutely astounding. Reading through the book, the text and the artwork, they definitely evoke, if you want to call it that old school feel, but for me it's a very nostalgic feel of... Dungeons and Dragons when there was a basic and the expert set. There is a great sense of humor that runs throughout the entire thing. And again, this is a game that is very deadly. As, as it says, it starts with a funnel. Um, characters start, you know, with no skills, very few hit points. They are, you know, your basic farmer, uh, your basic, you know, miller, your maybe a barkeep. And you are starting out as an adventurer and gaining you know, I guess not gaining, but maybe surviving the first encounter is the first step on your way <laughs> to actually becoming a fighter or a cleric or a wizard. And the fact, and I think I even saw it not just in that game, but another game that I played with a funnel. I mean, it's, it's obviously very easy for multiple characters to die, not uncommon for, you know, the total party kill. I think having it a little bit lighthearted, having that humor in what is a very dangerous game, uh, there are a lot of uh, really, I mean, there are great things that can happen, bad things that happen, but I, I, I really appreciate having that humor. So I guess suffice to say that I like the fact that it runs throughout. Uh, the writing is fantastic. Many people had commented that although this book is large and it seems intimidating in terms of the rules, it is enjoyable to read. I mean, it takes some time, but it's enjoyable to read. And so I think that is, is one of the big reasons that I just took to this game. The other thing that I enjoy is that it, it is just the one book. So although I love multiple RPG books and I love reading the new rule books or editions, especially in the fifth edition game, I think they've done a, a very good job with some of the, at least the more recent supplements that they put out. But I like the fact that you can have all of the core rules, GM advice, monsters, spells, etc. in one book, even if it's big. And if nothing else, when you're coming home from the game store late at night, you've got a uh, little extra weight in your backpack to uh, build your build your shoulder muscles. Or if uh, you know somebody jumps, you can smack them with this in the side of the head and uh, uh, <laughs> probably do quite a bit of damage. <laughs> but anyway, um, the other aspect that I like about this are the tables and I, I could go into probably too much detail but I'll just say the crit and fumble tables are fantastic the detail that goes into them and again there's some 
pretty bad results. I mean, they're pretty bad results that, you know, you can, uh, you know, crippling blow to spine, foe decapitated. Um, you know, you can, uh, there's, there's plenty of interesting details on body parts. But they're fun to read and they introduce something to the game that... Uh, I think it it helps trigger the imagination because yes, it is a roll and, and you get the result on the table. But I just find that it's usually just so interesting when these things come up. The magic spells, pages on each spell with tables for each one on the different effects, what can happen. And I think that's just very well done. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed uh, that they're able to put this together. I mean, I think that's the first thing. So just putting this together is an achievement. And I think most of the other uh, modern game books are the same way, that there are a lot of books and rule sets that I, I just, I really appreciate the attention to detail that goes into it. Um, but at the same time, especially in playing in the demo game and some other games, I, I know that th this is more of a game that values, as they say, you know, the rulings above rules. So the tables help you in that you don't necessarily have to remember everything. And if there are some things that seem in the game and is the way the game is going would be better for the overall story experience, uh, the, at least the games I've been in, the judges have been more than willing to let you try, usually because it involves some level of risk and usually more risk than you may be smart to take, but it's good. So uh, I could spend all day on the book itself, but there, just number one is just the book, the contents, how it's laid out, the humor, the atmosphere, etc. Um, number two, I'd, I'd say the magic system. And I'm not, I think I probably when I was younger, I was more apt or drawn to play wizards or magic users or anything with uh, spell casting ability. So I don't necessarily tend to do that now. I mean, I'll play them, but it's not my choice. But I really like how they've defined the magic system in that you don't just necessarily have the spell slots and lose your spells unless when you cast it, something happens, you know, a poor roll. So in some ways for the magic user, it's, it's great and it's incentive because you obviously have to roll well. You can also help yourself with the points of spell burn, which I, I, I do think introduces that idea that magic can be dangerous. It's especially dangerous if used well, but for the caster, if you fumble or if you are uh, not as skilled per se and it goes wrong, there are effects. There are the tables, there's the corruption about uh, your, your your one leg could grow longer than the other. You know, the uh, the sores, the ears mutate. And I, I guess the way I look at it, it just again adds to this is the type of game to play, whether it's a one-shot or even a campaign where there are lots of different fun elements. And it's, as I mentioned before, it's a dangerous game, but it just, it seems like it's a game that doesn't take itself too seriously. And wh what I mean by that is not that it's a complete joke, but what I mean is it, it's a great game, but at the same time, it helps you establish that the reason you're there is to have fun, have interesting things happen, stories, and just overall enjoyable times. And I like that. And that's something that I see throughout the different adventures, the modules, and the people in the community. Uh, I, I just think that that shines through. And the spell system is part of that. I mean, I think it gives enough that it's great to use as a wizard. And if you're doing well, you know, you don't have to worry that you've uh, artificially lost your spell slots. And if you don't do so well, you suffer some of the damages. Um, 
so the spell system is good i do also like the mighty deeds and the fighter benefits and that's something that now i've played a fighter in dcc a couple times and i like that opportunity to try to introduce something a little bit more dramatic describe what you're doing and and have that actually make an impact or conversely go horribly wrong so some of those little things i think add to it and help you as you're going through the adventure and you're going in an encounter and a fight think a little bit more about it rather than just rolling and adding all your modifiers but i think there's a lot of incentive there and I know Brandon said this when we played and a few others have said it. It is a game that really rewards the fighter or has a lot in there for those that like, you know, the archetypical fighter. So that's another aspect that I really enjoy. Um, I do also like the luck and I like the ability to use that in dire situations. Uh, We had that in some of our games. Um, Now, of course, in one shots, it, it may be a little bit more artificial uh, because you definitely, as it were, want to press your luck or spell burn as it gets closer to the end, especially when you get to the end of the adventure, uh, because you know it's you know it, that that's your only time. But I I don't think that makes it necessarily a bad feature. I think it leads to a much more enjoyable. You know, if you're looking at convention game, these are online conventions or short time slots. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it made it much more enjoyable to get to the end and essentially, you know, go for broke. And uh, thankfully it worked out. I think the one game my son and I played, The Tower Out of Time at um, Bride of Cyclops Con, we, we did finish, but we were just about we were just about out of options. I think we didn't do as well at the end. We didn't necessarily die, but I think the uh, the judge... I don't want to say took a little pity, but I don't think there was much left to just be able to, given the time constraints, just have us have us die. But we're 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 the walking wounded, and we uh, barely solved the uh, the end of the mystery. Uh, but when we got to that point, we were encouraged to use our luck, the wizard, uh, to burn as much as he could, just for again the the fun and the ending. And you know, no matter what else happened, both of us had a, had a had a great time, and hopefully the others at the table did. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the just the overall book, the the spell system, fighters. Um, I like, and this is true in the other, I guess, retro clones. You you can't really. I'm sorry, we're not doing video. You you can't see my you know air quotes, but anyway, retro clones or older versions. Going back to kind of the the BX idea that you know, you can play a a dwarf or an elf. They don't try to term that as a race, which it really isn't. But even as ancestry or species, it's it's an elf or a dwarf. And I like that because it doesn't try to I guess fit other, you know, even though they're they're uh fantastical species, try to fit them into into a certain mold. I like that there's just different characteristics. So that's one aspect that that I enjoy. Is, is going back to that. It also keeps it a little bit simpler. I, again, I'm, I'm torn because I love reading about the systems that have so many different options, class options, character options, you know, ancestries, mainly because I, I enjoy reading it and the creativity and thinking about the types of games. But there are many times, and again, maybe this is just because of how I started, I like when it's more constrained and the way that DCC presents it, it 
it doesn't necessarily feel constrained. I mean, it's a smaller set, but it feels like there's enough there for each of the the classes to choose from that you'll have a great game without making it too overwhelming. Um, one of the other things I enjoy is I think this is a great game for, well, definitely for beginners. If you're not familiar with it, but you're familiar with another version of Dungeons and Dragons, it's easy to get into. And again, at least getting into it with someone who has experience running the game, who's a member of the road crew, it makes for such a good experience that it's easy to pick up. I also think after going through this a few times, this is a game that some people who might be on the fence about role-playing may get into, or some people that maybe have tried Dungeons and Dragons or other games that either they may found have found as too serious or have too many rules may enjoy this. My, my partner in particular enjoys fantasy, uh, fiction, and has read just tremendous amounts of series, has played a few Dungeons & Dragons games with us and our son, and is not really that into it. But I think this is a game that might be more upper alley, just because of the the consequence, the risk, and a little bit more of the excitement. I'm, it is a game where it just seems that the overall experience can be a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more lighthearted. And so that's something that I'm looking forward to, not just uh, with her, but for some other folks who maybe have, have wanted to get into it, wanted to try, but again, for some of the larger systems, just are a little bit put off by it. And I, I think, like I said, it, it may be a bit ironic, but as we talked about, you know, the size of the book, it has everything you need to play, but in order to play, you obviously don't need to read and understand everything in there. And it's easy to pick up and have that there to reference, to do something, and then, as it were, uh, have to look up the result. So I, I think that's a great thing. I think one of the next aspects to touch on, and that's what really sold me, is I was starting to get into it and learning more about Goodman Games and just the different people in the community. And again, Spellburn was a huge source for this and just fantastic to listen to and catch up on back episodes. But also on YouTube, um, Judge James and Judge Evie, Living for Crits, which, uh, and I've done some extensive research on this, I think they are the longest running father-daughter tabletop show on the internet. Um, I have consulted all of the uh, research search engines, as it were, uh, Google, and DuckDuckGo, and they're the ones that I've found that are the longest running. And just hearing them discuss the game, what they like, experiences they've had, different things they've tried, just gets you a bit more intrigued and excited. And especially through them, but also through Spell, uh, Spellburn, you find that even though this is Dungeon Crawl Classic, this is a game that can easily be used for different systems. And it obviously has gone into the post-apocalyptic future with the Mutant Crawl Classics versions. It's gone into different settings. There's Star Crawl, science fiction settings. There's other settings that they've come out with. They've come out with a Lankmar box set, which is, you know, the uh, Falford and the Grey Mouser essentially that setting they've come out with or just coming out with I think now the Empire of the East and Dying Earth is coming soon so it's something that you can use for a lot of different 
settings, if it were. But I, I think the, you know, even more than just the flexibility or being able to use the different settings, it, it gets back to what I was saying before the community. And, you know, hearing them talk about it and seeing others in the community and the passion they have for it uh, is great. And there are plenty of other games where the community has similar levels of passion. So I, I don't know that I can say this is more, or less, etc. But I, I think it's good that when you find that one that seems to fit. So for me, this seemed to fit maybe more so than some of the other games and communities, uh, at least at this point. And maybe the, the final thing that I'll say, we haven't talked about the dice, <laughs> but um, if nothing else, they're neat to get and look at and play with. And uh, I was quickly sold on buying the half pound of dice from uh, Goodman Games. But I, I guess that's just it. Goodman Games. So Goodman Games, Joseph Goodman and all the people who work for it. I, I just find that uh, they it's an incredible small company, high quality, both for the Dungeon Crawl Classics lines and other things. They ran a, I think it was a Humble Bundle deal uh, towards the end of last year or last fall, which was unbelievable. It For the amount that you paid for PDF copies of both the core rulebook, which even though I already had at that point, there were a crazy amount of adventures available in that. And, you know, it, again, it's it's fantastic because I purchased it and now have probably more DCC adventures than I'll ever be able to run or let alone read in my in, in my lifetime. Um, and so that 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 in itself is amazing. Um, the other part of Goodman Games that I like, which is beyond just strict DCC, but they have a great line of, you know, original adventures reincarnated. And I've got the Lost City and Castle Amber rewritten uh, for fifth edition. And the books are beautiful. It's kind of the, the coffee table equivalent of some of these old modules that were beloved by many of us. And there's additional writings in there on the backgrounds and inspirations this is a this is a fantastic edition, and I'm really looking forward to bringing that into some of the fifth edition games that I've been running. We also get to play a sample of the Temple of Elemental Evil at the Spawn of Cyclops Con, uh, which which was really good and got my son really excited because you know we popped in at a at a relatively high level just to play test the one plane that was uh, the subject of our of our gaming session and he really enjoyed it even though again it had the potential to end very badly at the end of those 4 hours uh so those are good and uh, the the last note on perhaps Goodman Games and the in the encounter the the conferences the online conferences, the online conventions, I'm stuck in work mode, the online conventions that they have run recently, the Cyclops Con, Spawn, Bride, have been fantastic. The last one was unbelievable with an app that they had partnered with, the Gather Town, which when you're online, so in addition to the Zoom or the Discord or the Roll20 sessions you have for your games, there was a gaming hall like you'd have at a, at a normal convention that looked like an old video game map and you had an avatar and you walked around and interacted with different people and booths and all kinds of you know small secret, secret doors and other things to play with. But the best part about this was as you walked past someone and if you had your monitor, or I'm sorry, your video camera and your audio on as soon as you got within a certain proximity so as soon as you got close to them you would 
be able to see them and hear whatever conversation they were having and, and vice versa, as if you were at a convention. You could you know, enter into a conversation, listen to what others are doing, go find someone and chat. And for all of the pandemic work from home, Zooming classes, work meetings and conferences, this is the first one that I found that, that just, it almost blew my mind. And I, I, I would be surprised if it does not spread like wildfire through a lot of the different, I guess, professional circles and, and work conferences that I've seen. Uh, even before the pandemic, I had been you know, part of a lot of online webinars and seminars. And most of them are the same way that they've run things during the pandemic with the standard slides zoom call or webex call but this was really a step up in that in addition to the different meetings you had or well meetings but i mean game times you had set up you could just walk and wander and find people and different impromptu whether they were pickup games or sessions or things happening and I didn't have a whole lot of time to spend wandering around on the actual conference weekend you know in addition to the games we were playing but but what I did was was really impressed and in fact uh, one of the last uh, wanders that I had on Sunday afternoon happened to wander into a conversation where Joseph Goodman was there and I just I tell you, just like if you'd have met him or met someone at a, at a conference, it was great. It was great to express my appreciation, uh, you know, talk about how I'd gotten into the game and the conference and even had my son, you know, next to me who came into the video. And uh, like I said, it was it was a great interaction. And it was also good. He asked for a lot of uh, feedback and had some questions on how we found, you know, the gather experience, the convention, some of the other things with DCC. So it just it, it was a it was kind of the, the a final note, at least for me, for the convention that on, on what a great experience it was, but also on, on as I said, the overall, the community, the company, and it just, I guess it made me feel, again, as a returning gamer, who's just excited to be a part of it. And obviously, it's a great time, you know, a golden age or a new golden age for gaming. But that just, I think, cemented for me, you know, the, the just how great it is to be back. And maybe how, how great, not just the DCC community is, but I think the gaming community is right now. Um, you know, the, the judges in the games where I had my son, you know, were thrilled and loved to, to you know, have a have an 11 year old, you know, getting into the D&D or the DCC games with them, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the next generation. So I, I also now again, now that we're older, I, I appreciate that environment. You know, I like I like both sides. I mean, obviously, there's some, you know, adult games, but I like the fact that there's so much emphasis on you know some of the family games or teen games you know to get kids introduced and let them you know learn and grow through the gaming so uh, probably enough uh, probably enough bantering on about a DCC and I'm not sure if I've done a good job to convince any that have not you know looked into it more or played it more uh, but from from my perspective and again this is getting back into gaming, and so I missed the the addition changes, as we said, and had to get caught up a little on, you know, what 3.5 was and how that influenced DCC. It, it was not a hard leap, and I'm you know looking forward to continuing to play games, to run some DCC games. Uh, for those of you who 
had been at the, the Cyclops Con events. There is another one coming up in the fall. I think the dates are posted, but we're a bit off from registration. So that should be pretty fantastic as well. It'd be, it's, it's hard to top this last one, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be done. Um, the other thing, uh, we'll put a shout out there, is that Goodman Games is teaming up with the DMs Guild to run Dungeon Con, which is more of a celebration of, I think there's an emphasis on 5th edition, but I, I, I don't think that would be, you know, it's not an exclusive or a 5th edition only. I'm sure there'll be all sorts of versions of Dungeons and Dragons and probably DCC. And there were quite a few uh, Dungeons and Dragons games, of again, of all editions at uh, the the last couple of Cyclops Con events we went to, so uh, hopefully you'll get to check them out. I am, <laughs> I I like many others, am very eager to the time that there can be conventions again and some safe ways to gather uh, online. But for now, this will this will suffice. Last thing, at least to say for now, on DCC is towards the end of last year, Goodman Games announced that there was going to be an Italian translation of Dungeon Crawl Classics. So this is a uh, this is a really great thing for the Italian role-playing community, Gioc di Rollo, and uh, for Italian-speaking RPG fans. They also had a good interview with um, Joseph Goodman and the folks over at Luca, which is a big game convention, at least again, pre- pre-COVID times uh, in Italy, and it's in both uh, Italian and English. Uh, fun to watch, and again, I'm going to be, uh, I guess, contributing more of my money to Goodman Games and their partner or publisher to uh, purchase that version. I think they also have, I'm, I'm certain they've got a Spanish language version, but I think they also have a Portuguese uh, translation of the rules. I'm sorry if I got this wrong. I'm not sure about French, but it's great to see, again, you know, a, a smaller independent RPG producer that has such a following and a reach, you know, beyond just our small borders here in the USA. And, uh, and you know, then obviously beyond some of the other English speaking uh, countries uh, into the rest of the RPG world. So uh, very, very good to see. Anyway, uh, that's all the rambling for now. Um, I will try to be back next week. Hope you enjoyed or are enjoying uh, your St. Patrick's Day uh, celebrations and that uh, they're probably like last year, a little quieter and a lot safer uh, with uh, everything still raging outside. Cheers.